Chapter Eleven of The Unbearable Bassington by Saki. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. After the momentous lunch at the Corridor Restaurant, Elaine had returned to Manchester Square, where she was staying with one of her numerous aunts, in a frame of mind that embraced a tangle of competing emotions. In the first place she was conscious of a dominant feeling of relief. In a moment of impetuosity, not wholly uninfluenced by pique, she had settled the problem which hours of hard thinking and serious heart-searching had brought no nearer to solution, and, although she felt just a little inclined to be scared at the headlong manner of her final decision, she had now very little doubt in her own mind that the decision had been the right one. In fact, the wonder seemed, rather, that she should have been so long in doubt as to which of her wooers really enjoyed her honest approval. She had been in love, these many weeks past, with an imaginary Comus, but now that she had definitively walked out of her dreamland she saw that nearly all the qualities that had appealed to her on his behalf had been absent from, or only fitfully present in, the character of the real Comus and now that she had installed Ewell in the first place of her affections, he had rapidly acquired in her eyes some of the qualities which ranked highest in her estimation. Like the proverbial buyer, she had the happy feminine tendency of magnifying the worth of her possession as soon as she had acquired it, and Courtney Ewell gave Elaine some justification for her sense of having chosen wisely above all other things selfish and cynical though he might appear at times he was unfailingly courteous and considerate towards her that was a circumstance which would always have carried weight with her in judging any man in this case its value was enormously heightened by contrast with the behaviour of her other wooer and ewell had in her eyes the advantage which the glamour of combat even the combat of words and wire-pulling, throws over the fighter. He stood well in the forefront of a battle, which, however carefully stage-managed, however honeycombed with personal insincerities, and overlaid with calculated mock heroics, really meant something, really counted for good or wrong, in the nation's development and the world's history. Shrewd parliamentary observers might have warned her that Ewell would never stand much higher in the political world than he did at present, as a brilliant opposition freelance, leading lively and rather meaningless forays against the dull and rather purposeless foreign policy of a government that was scarcely either to be blamed for or congratulated on its handling of foreign affairs. The young politician had not the strength of character or convictions that keeps a man naturally in the forefront of affairs and gives his counsels a sterling value, and on the other hand his insincerity was not deep enough to allow him to pose artificially and successfully as a leader of men and shaper of movements. For the moment, however, his place in public life was sufficiently marked out to give him a secure footing in that world where people are counted individually and not in herds. The woman whom he would make his wife would have the chance too, if she had the will and the skill, to become an individual who counted. There was balm to Elaine in this reflection, yet it did not wholly suffice to drive out the feeling of pique 
which comus had called into being by his slighting view of her as a convenient cash supply in moments of emergency she found a certain satisfaction in scrupulously observing her promise made earlier on that eventful day and sent off a messenger with the stipulated loan then a reaction of compunction set in and she reminded herself that in fairness she ought to write and tell her news in as friendly a fashion as possible to her dismissed suitor before it burst upon him from some other quarter they had parted on more or less quarrelling terms it was true but neither of them had foreseen the finality of the parting nor the permanence of the breach between them comus might even now be thinking himself half forgiven and the awakening would be rather cruel the letter however did not prove an easy one to write not only did it present difficulties of its own but it suffered from the competing urgency of a desire to be doing something far pleasanter than writing explanatory and valedictory phrases elaine was possessed with an unusual but quite overmastering hankering to visit her cousin suzette brankley they met but rarely at each other's houses and very seldom anywhere else and elaine for her part was never conscious of feeling that their opportunities for intercourse lacked anything in the way of adequacy suzette accorded her just that touch of patronage which a moderately well-off and immoderately dull girl will usually try to meet out to an acquaintance who is known to be wealthy and suspected of possessing brains in return elaine armed herself with that particular brand of mock humility which can be so terribly disconcerting if properly wielded no quarrel of any description stood between them and one could not legitimately have described them as enemies but they never disarmed in one another's presence a misfortune of any magnitude falling on one of them would have been sincerely regretted by the other but any minor discomfiture would have produced a feeling very much akin to satisfaction human nature knows millions of these inconsequent little feuds springing up and flourishing apart from any basis of racial political religious or economic cause as a hint perhaps to crass unseeing altruists that enmity has its place and purpose in the world as well as benevolence elaine had not personally congratulated suzette since the formal announcement of her engagement to the young man with the dissentient tailoring effects the impulse to go and do so now overmastered her sense of what was due to comus in the way of explanation the letter was still in its blank unwritten stage an unmarshalled sequence of sentences forming in her brain when she ordered her car and made a hurried but well thought out change into her most sumptuously sober afternoon toilette suzette she felt tolerably sure would still be in the costume that she had worn in the park that morning a costume that aimed at elaboration of detail and was damned with overmuch success suzette's mother welcomed her unexpected visitor with obvious satisfaction her daughter's engagement she explained was not so brilliant from the social point of view as a girl of suzette's attractions and advantages might have legitimately aspired to 
but egbert was a thoroughly commendable and dependable young man who would very probably win his way before long to membership of the county council from there of course the road would be open to him to higher things yes said elaine he might become an alderman have you seen their photographs taken together asked mrs brankley abandoning the subject of egbert's prospective career no do show me said elaine with a flattering show of interest i've never seen that sort of thing before it used to be the fashion once for engaged couples to be photographed together didn't it it's very much the fashion now said mrs brankley assertively but some of the complacency had filtered out of her voice suzette came into the room wearing the dress that she had worn in the park that morning of course you've been hearing all about the engagement from mother she cried and then set to work conscientiously to cover the same ground we met at grindelwald you know he always calls me his ice maiden because we first got to know each other on the skating rink quite romantic wasn't it then we asked him to tea one day and we got to be quite friendly then he proposed he wasn't the only one who was smitten with suzette mrs brankley hastened to put in fearful lest elaine might suppose that egbert had had things all his own way there was an american millionaire who was quite taken with her and a polish count of a very old family i assure you i felt quite nervous at some of our tea-parties mrs brankley had given grindelwald a sinister but rather alluring reputation among a large circle of untravelled friends as a place where the insolence of birth and wealth was held in precarious check from breaking forth into scenes of savage violence my marriage with egbert will of course enlarge the sphere of my life enormously pursued suzette yes said elaine her eyes were rather remorselessly taking in the details of her cousin's toilette it is said that nothing is sadder than victory except defeat suzette began to feel that the tragedy of both was concentrated in the creation which had given her such unalloyed gratification till elaine had come on the scene a woman can be so immensely helpful in the social way to a man who is making a career for himself and i'm so glad to find that we've a great many ideas in common we each made out a list of our idea of the hundred best books and quite a number of them were the same he looks bookish said elaine with a critical glance at the photograph oh he's not at all a bookworm said suzette quickly though he's tremendously well read he's quite the man of action does he hunt asked elaine no he doesn't get much time or opportunity for riding what a pity commented elaine i don't think i could marry a man who wasn't fond of riding of course that's a matter of taste said suzette stiffly horsey men are not usually gifted with overmuch brains are they there is as much difference between a horseman and a horsey man as there is between a well-dressed man and a dressy one said elaine judiciously 
and you may have noticed how seldom a dressy woman really knows how to dress as an old lady of my acquaintance observed the other day some people are born with a sense of how to clothe themselves others acquire it others look as if their clothes had been thrust upon them she gave lady caroline her due quotation marks but the sudden tactfulness with which she looked away from her cousin's frock was entirely her own idea a young man entering the room at this moment caused a diversion that was rather welcome to suzette here comes egbert she announced with an air of subdued triumph it was at least a satisfaction to be able to produce the captive of her charms alive and in good condition on the scene elaine might be as critical as she pleased but a live lover outweighed any number of well-dressed straight-riding cavaliers who existed only as a distant vision of the delectable husband egbert was one of those men who have no small talk but possess an inexhaustible supply of the larger variety in whatever society he happened to be and particularly in the immediate neighbourhood of an afternoon tea-table with a limited audience of women-folk he gave the impression of someone who was addressing a public meeting and would be happy to answer questions afterwards a suggestion of gaslit mission halls wet umbrellas and discreet applause seemed to accompany him everywhere he was an exponent among other things of what he called new thought which seemed to lend itself conveniently to the employment of a good deal of rather stale phraseology probably in the course of some thirty-odd years of existence he had never been of any notable use to man woman child or animal but it was his firmly announced intention to leave the world a better happier purer place than he had found it against the danger of any relapse to earlier conditions after his disappearance from the scene he was of course powerless to guard tis not in mortals to ensure succession and egbert was admittedly mortal elaine found him immensely entertaining and would certainly have exerted herself to draw him out if such a proceeding had been at all necessary she listened to his conversation with the complacent appreciation that one bestows on a stage tragedy from whose calamities one can escape at any moment by the simple process of leaving one's seat when at last he checked the flow of his opinions by a hurried reference to his watch and declared that he must be moving on elsewhere elaine almost expected a vote of thanks to be accorded him or to be asked to signify herself in favour of some resolution by holding up her hand when the young man had bidden the company a rapid business-like farewell tempered in suzette's case by the exact degree of tender intimacy that it would have been considered improper to omit or overstep elaine turned to her expectant cousin with an air of cordial congratulation he is exactly the husband i should have chosen for you suzette for the second time that afternoon suzette felt a sense of waning enthusiasm for one of her possessions mrs brankley detected the note of ironical congratulation in her visitor's verdict i suppose she means he's not her idea of a husband but he's good enough for suzette she observed to herself 
with a snort that expressed itself somewhere in the nostrils of the brain then with a smiling air of heavy patronage she delivered herself of her one idea of a damaging counterstroke and when are we to hear of your engagement my dear now said elaine quietly but with electrical effect i came to announce it to you but i wanted to hear all about suzette first it will be formally announced in the papers in a day or two but who is it is it the young man who was with you in the park this morning asked suzette let me see who was i with in the park this morning a very good-looking dark boy oh no not comus bassington someone you know by name anyway and i expect you've seen his portrait in the papers a flying man asked mrs brankley courtney yule said elaine mrs brankley and suzette had often rehearsed in the privacy of their minds the occasion when elaine should come to pay her personal congratulations to her engaged cousin it had never been in the least like this on her return from her enjoyable afternoon visit elaine found an express messenger letter waiting for her it was from comus thanking her for her loan and returning it i suppose i ought never to have asked you for it he wrote but you are always so deliciously solemn about money matters that i couldn't resist just heard the news of your engagement to courtney congrats to you both i'm far too stony broke to buy you a wedding present so i'm going to give you back the bread and butter dish luckily it still has your crest on it i shall love to think of you and courtney eating bread and butter out of it for the rest of your lives that was all he had to say on the matter about which elaine had been preparing to write a long and kindly expressed letter closing a rather momentous chapter in her life and his there was not a trace of regret or upbraiding in his note he had walked out of their mutual fairyland as abruptly as she had and to all appearances far more unconcernedly reading the letter again and again elaine could come to no decision as to whether this was merely a courageous gibe at defeat or whether it represented the real value that comus set on the thing that he had lost and she would never know if comus possessed one useless gift to perfection it was the gift of laughing at fate even when it had struck him hardest one day perhaps the laughter and mockery would be silent on his lips and fate would have the advantage of laughing last end of chapter 11